it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And even though it's 10 years since James Watt said those words, we're still here having a talk about beer and the brewing industry and especially having conversations with the people who make the industry what it is and seeing what we can learn from them. I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and this week we return to Sydney's Inner West and once again catch up with Willie the Boatman's Pat McInerney. We last spoke to Pat back in May 2020, just as the impacts of the COVID epidemic were starting to make themselves felt across the economy. You may wish to go back and listen to that episode before embarking on this one, because it's a very different Pat McInerney that we meet this week. We've been hearing a lot about the changes that have taken place in the, in the industry since COVID and the increased challenges brewers are now facing. And Pat goes into some detail to discuss his experiences over the last three years. This latest conversation came about after Pat announced Willie the Boatman was launching a rebrand, and we do discuss that. But it also led to a very frank discussion about market conditions and the crowded marketplace that small brewers are facing at the moment. Despite Pat's ever-present upbeat nature, it's a sobering conversation, especially when contrasted with that which took place just three years ago. This is my conversation with Pat McInerney. Pat McInerney, welcome back to Beer as a Conversation. Thanks, Matt. It has been a while, as you just uh, uh, reminded me. Yes, it's been a while. It's great to be back. I'm an avid listener, second-time caller. <laughs> well, funnily enough, in, in, in the scheme of beer as a conversation, you're actually counting as a as a re- relatively recent guest. You know, we've been doing this thing for, God, 12 years now. So, uh, you know, you, you've been in the uh, fourth quarter of, of, of that. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's hope I'm in the finals, hey? <laughs> well, that's uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to, to catch up with you. And I, I am uh, going to say, or I say in the uh, intro, that I really encourage everyone to go back and listen to our conversation, you know, just over three years ago, back in May 2020. And, uh, you know, most people won't need to be reminded that, you know, that was in the early days of. COVID, um, I, I think we'd just been told that we were going to get JobKeeper, um, but we yes. didn't know how long and, you know, how deep um, it was going to, you know, go and how deeply it was going to affect our lives. But more importantly, what the backwash um, was going to be, what the aftermath of the whole thing was going to be. And, uh, you know, based on a conversation that we've had recently, it, it sounded like it was well worth going back to, you know, revisit. Um, you know, what for one little brewery at least uh, the, the the story has been. Yeah, Matt, it it's been a uh, roller coaster emotionally and uh, financially. I, I won't lie. We came out of COVID and it was all it's like all Christmases hit at once. Um, you know, everyone wanted to come out and everyone wanted to be a part of um, you know see each other socially, which makes a lot of sense. And then all of a sudden, uh, that market just completely seemed to disappear um, and, and change uh, almost overnight. And there, there were a couple of 
mitigating factors, I think, um, and correct me if I get the, but I, I think we had La Nina uh, quickly follow COVID, so we probably had two very cold uh, and wet winters that really affected the beer industry and uh, and affected really the boatmen and, and, and the sails. <laughs> You're not saying bring on global warming, I hope. Oh, of course <laughs> not, but I do, ha- I do have, I am probably one of the most knowledgeable people um, in Australia next to the CSIRO as to the movement of the Southern Oscillation <laughs> and the Dopey. <laughs> well, let's just step back a little bit because, again, talking about post-COVID, it's really, and I do want to get back to this um, change and the sudden change following mm. COVID. But, you know, I got a feeling that when we spoke in May 2020, there was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what COVID was. Um, and there were some changes that took place that, in hindsight, may have given the brewing industry a false sense of security and you know one of those was you know for small brewers there was with, with pub shut tap contracts um you know weren't an issue because pubs selling beer but there was a huge shift to package beer that yes you know and, and i think we even spoke about it at that stage you'd really benefited from you know a surge in demand for your packaged uh um, product. Um, you, you even talked about that. You know, bottle shops paid well. Um, you know, unlike uh, having to chase tap contracts. Yep. And, and I guess that was also overlaid, as we talked about. There was JobKeeper. You know, the government was terrified of businesses collapsing, and so pumped a lot of money into businesses. And yes. I know myself that you, you know things went pretty smoothly during COVID because of all of this money. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Things went swimmingly, and and you know, bottle shops were incredibly busy during COVID. You know that whole um, you know buy local, support local, support the mum and dad uh, bottle shops, support the mum and dad breweries, support the small business, support the fruit and veg shop. Um, you know, it was fantastic, and and the momentum behind that was phenomenal. Particularly, you know, when you regard yourself as very much a community-minded brewery, um, the support was fantastic. Um, you know, go forward sort of twelve months, and then we have to start paying for everything that we got. We, had, you know, uh, you know, COVID uh, was was terrible for for industry, you know, and for shutting down the economy. But then it created all sorts of supply chain issues. So the price of, you know, farmers started getting paid more to grow wheat because of the war in the Ukraine and they weren't growing barley. So the price of barley had to go up. And, and really from the from the producer's point of view, every aspect of the business just became a lot more expensive um, and, and goods started to become really hard to get, which made them even more expensive because it's simple supply and demand. Had a had a couple of chats recently with um, brewers and, you know, even last week we looked at Gage Road's results and, you know, they had, mm. they've had a massive increase in volume that they supply but their yes. costs, you know, went up, you know, almost at, at a higher rate, um, meaning that their profit was cut. So, 
my first question was, well, why can't you put the price up of your beer to match the price of all of the inputs? And he, he basically said that you just can't with beer. There's something about beer that makes it very hard to, you know, recoup those costs through your own pricing. Yeah, 100% there is. You know, you're, well, we're now in, you know, where, you know, three years ago we were chatting. There was young Henry's batch and myself in the area. And, you know, everyone wanted – and we we do live in a, a pretty magical little bubble in the inner west in Sydney where nearly all the pubs are, are very supportive of their local breweries and and, and do support us. Um, you know, but they're also long-term customers as well, so you want to look after them. Um, but also now in Marital, there's, you know, what, eight or nine breweries who want that tap as much as you do. And what has that meant for pricing? Well, it's it's really stagnated pricing. If not, it's actually brought pricing down. I, I, I you know, I reckon our package beer is not much more expensive than what it was ten years ago. Mm. Our our um, and sorry, our bulk beer. So our keg prices really haven't significantly changed in 10 years. You you would think with the CPI, what's that, those 20 CPI raises, and they haven't, there's no way they've gone up 20 times. That in itself intrigues me um, because one of the things that craft beer was meant to do was, you know, trade on lower volumes of higher margin product because it's a premium product and it was local and consumers would see the value in in you know buying from from the local more flavoursome beer but that yes. doesn't seem to have panned out no no and there's been a real shift in the last couple of years and particularly oh i, I find in the last two years there's been a real shift away from craft in that 30-something year, year old market, um, you know, where they want to, you know, there seems to be, I don't know what's happened, but there seems to be, I, I was thinking about this last night, uh, there seems to be a shift away from, you know, small independent or craft beer to to the bigger breweries. Like, you know, it's you know, all of a sudden it's cool again to drink Reshers, you know, or I don't know whether it's cool or it's ironic, um, but well, they're the same thing, aren't they? If, yeah. if, 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 if you hold your mouth right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's um, yeah. You, I, I, I've just noticed a, a lot in in pubs where yeah, I was talking to a mate the other day, and he said, "Oh, I'll be right as long as they have rushes on tap." And I went, "Why? Well, I mean, there's." <laughs> Why? Why wouldn't you have you know something that's locally owned at least, or, or and locally made? I mean, it's locally made, but uh, at least it's locally owned. I always, you know, we always host Anzac Day events, and often I watch these guys swelling jugs and jugs of VB and whatever's on special on tap, and I get it. But you know, you'd have to think, and they all talk about their grandfathers and their great grandfathers fighting on the Kokoda Trail and whatnot. And you think that those old blokes must be rolling over in their graves knowing their grandsons and great-grandsons are drinking Japanese-owned beer. It, it, I, I just don't get it. But even there, you said that Resh's is locally made, but it's not. There is, you know, Resh's 
is owned by CUB, and mm-hmm. CUB doesn't have a brewing footprint in New South Wales. So well, there you go. I, I'm not even sure that it comes from Queen, but but that's the way that they've managed to success. You know, the the, the Russia's Appreciation Society, who oh. you know are great. You know, I, as, as I always say, I'd much rather people drinking beer than anything else. But yeah. even they're aware that it's not made there, but they still. The way that they talk is it's as if it's their local beer, and there is just a nostalgia or something psychological that that beer taps into that yep. people will forego genuinely local product for something mm. that makes them feel a certain way because of you know, and I don't even think it's deliberate myth making by CUB. They just haven't you know burst anyone's bubble. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's the uh, you know. They've got a 50-year-old slogan that is resonating, uh, you know, a uh, 50-year-old slogan that resonates today, you know. It's the beer we drink around here, you know. It's, it's uh, straight out of Singo's mouth. I can hear it. <laughs> All we need is a jingle. Yeah, the jingle and a bit of spittle. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's, you know, the, the comeback of Russia's is, you know, it, it, I suppose is sort of, symbolic of what's happening in the beer trade you know you've got uh, all these you, uh, we were talking before you know you've got so many now so many craft the, the, the market is that cluttered um, and just getting back to the, the the point of taps is that there's always someone willing to sell their beer cheaper than you are in the market at the moment but and, and that's the other thing that surprises you know that, that, that I can't work out and because if everyone's roughly the same and, and you know at, at the scale that we're talking about unless someone has found a way to you know completely reverse gravity people's yeah. production costs are going to be you know roughly the same and you know the difference between mm. uh, I think you were around about half a million liters when we last spoke you know, whether yeah. it's 300 litres, 400,000 litres, 500,000 litres, the, yeah. the production costs aren't going to be vastly different on, on, on a per keg cost. Um, no. So if people of your own size are undercutting your price, mm. it, 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 it surely it can only be this. And again, there is a fiction in the industry that if only we can get to the next volume number, we'll break even. You know, but, yes. Um, that just seems to be something that is increasingly not c- coming true. That you know, if you're not making money now, scale isn't going to give you profitability. No, it's not. I mean, you know, there, there is a there is a volume versus margins argument in the industry, but really, I mean, you know, my my thoughts on this, you know, there are there, you know, unless you're making under a hundred thousand liters a year. Or more than five to ten million liters a year. Uh, I, I think the, the it's the blokes in the middle like us who are really going to struggle in the next twelve to eighteen months. Mm. And and it, it, I mean it, again, without getting too blunt about it, it sounds like you know from our last chat things have gotten very tough. And and I know that there are some um, you know. Where you are, you were in an industrial area that had, mm. um, you know, a, a, a readily inbuilt population, and you know, you, you've lost that due to a planned development that's not going ahead. Um, yes. And so there are some elements that are peculiar to you, 
But mm. it, 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 it sounds like you've noticed that the, 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 the whole um, market has changed somewhat as well. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, you look at the first half of this year, and it re- and you know, bottle shops were, you know, and let's face it, during COVID or pre-COVID or d- during COVID, everyone invested a lot in, uh, you know, putting beer into aluminium, and and that market boomed for a number of years, and then at the beginning of this year, that market absolutely seemed on, on in some accounts seemed to be decimated well it was knocked back by 30 percent i think i was reading in some article in the in the, in the sydney morning herald you know almost the australian bottle shop which they referred to as re- recession proof was all of a sudden yeah hit, hit with a downturn oh matt was that one of your articles <laughs> um oh, I, I, i'm not sure uh, possibly yeah um anyway uh you know and it really impacted and i think it's you know uh, our keg sales went up significantly so people were obviously post-summer uh post-covid getting back out but they wanted uh, the belts were starting to tighten with the first few interest rates so rather than drinking at home they uh they wanted to have an experience and and that was generally at a pub or at a club with their mates and Drinking beer out of a schooner seemed to be uh, what the first half of this year was like. Mm. Uh, um, and unless you've got the tap contracts to support or, or enough taps to support that level of growth in uh, bulk beer, you know, you, you were really left behind. Um, uh, it, it has significantly switched back to package though and it was almost like a, a, a flick was switched whereas now our package has gone up exponentially and our taps of uh, our cake beer has um, pretty much stayed the same. So what does that mean? Are, are you still because again three years ago your, your biggest trouble was making enough beer to satisfy what was in your tap room and then you know you were only looking you know at markets two to three kilometers away um uh, because 100%. and you know, have there been that many breweries coming in all seen as local that is you know um cut your lunch or oh i i don't know i i think look there the market is definitely clustered and and um or, or it's very the category is very full if you go to bottle shops i mean you know it, you used to just have to, you know, fight for taps, and now you have to fight for fridge spacing as well. Um, I suppose one thing about being around for uh, ten years is that, you know, a, a lot of our, our facings in bottle shops are, are fairly well secured, and so, and they've always held, they've always maintained position. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you've got. Um, you, you know, let's face it. There's been some really big entrants into the um, into the market, and there's been a lot of money pumped into the market. Um, you know, where people can afford to loss lead, um, and uh, you know, as you were talking about earlier, grow their volume through loss leading, mm. which doesn't make sense to me. But you know, I, I also don't have the money. I can't afford to loss lead. Yeah, well. Uh, oh, oh, don't get me started on that. I, I actually, you know, 
and I'll probably upset some people here, I think, you know, loss leading um, should be outlawed. You know, I don't know how you do it. The, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, having, you know, it, it, it's what we've seen with businesses like Amazon. You know, they sustain losses for long enough that they put everyone else out of business and then the prices yeah. go up to higher than they ever would have been in a properly competitive market. Um, yes. But again, I, I, I get this, you know, with, and I don't want to name anybody because I'm seeing it, you know, nationally. Um, you know, breweries that perhaps invested in more capacity than they, it turned out that they needed, um, mm. but having all of that debt to, uh, you know, service, just want to get volume and, or they've, they're, they've, they've got too much beer and they need to sell it. And so they are selling it much cheaper than they would like in the hope that, you know, it's just going to keep them alive until things come good again. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's the point. Um, it, yeah, it, look, this is a, a national conversation. It's not a, it's definitely not an inner West, just an inner West conversation. I mean, you know, I, uh, you have a look at, you know, I'm sure I, I know of a couple of Victorian breweries who have pulled their sales force out of New South Wales this year. And, and I'm sure there's some, uh, New South Wales breweries who have done, you know, exactly the same in Victoria or reduced their um, sales force. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely not a, it's not a local, it's not a local issue. It's a, it's a national, um, it's, it's what's happening in the industry at the moment, that's for sure. So, look, I, I, and again, I don't want to dwell on the natives too much, but again, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in the one thing that the industry doesn't need at the moment is more bullshit boosterism telling everyone how awesome it is and dragging more, um, you know, hopefuls in, in, into a market that's much tougher than a lot of people want to recognise. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, uh, whereas, uh, people who say, oh, I want to own a brewery, I say you're better off buying a warehouse and renting it to someone who wants to buy a brewery. <laughs> that's my advice to anyone who wants to own a brewery but again again, which was very different you know again three years ago when we talked um you know and and hopefully everyone's gone back to listen to it you know you were being told at the time you need half a million dollars to get started and you guys could only get two hundred thousand dollars together and i I think this is a direct quote you grabbed your balls and uh, decided to crash or crash through, and uh, you did it with absolute determination. And that's you know the the classic craft beer story from ten years ago when you could do that. These days, it's a lot harder, and then you do need money. But the people that started ten years ago with that approach aren't now just also competing with the other people who had that approach ten years ago. There, you also have to compete with everyone that's open since. A hundred percent, yeah. And, I mean, you know, the company is still well undercapitalized, let me tell you. So um, everything we do at uh, Willie the Boatman is definitely only done through cash flow. There have been a lot of entrants. Um, I think the smartest entrants to the market, if you ask me, are the ones that only sell their beer through their taproom. And they're the the ones, um, I think, in five years' time who will still be be well, uh, still be around and still be doing extremely well because 
their, their costs are low and, uh, over, you know, the overheads are obviously low. They probably own the property that they're serving out of, or, or I hope they do, and, um, and, they, and they're making maximum margin. And speaking of which, it sounds like, you know, that's a focus that, you know, you, like you've gone back and really, uh, you know, revised what you're going to do, including um, rebranding or, you know, going through a, a, a rebranding and a relook of what uh, Willie the Boatman's model is going to be. Yeah, 100%. Look, we have just rebranded um, and, you know, I, um, mainly because just to make our brand stick out on on um, on the on the shelves in in bottle shops and at supermarkets and you know one thing we I, I went out with our designer um, and who's also my business partner um, I um, and we could, he said where's where's our beer and we're at a at a a big supermarket store and I went it's there it's over there and it's over there and he goes I can't see it we need to fix it. Um, so now uh, I think with our rebranding, um, you'll, you'll, the first thing you'll see is Willie the Boatman and then you'll choose what, what Willie the Boatman beer you, you want to drink that afternoon. I mean, what are the mechanics of, you know, do you go back and go, well, is our brand service serving its purpose or do we have to go back and look at the, the, the brand and not just the, the, the design of cans? What was the, the, the process you went through? Well, it was really visibility on shelves and visibility you know every time you know our um you know someone puts up a a, a flyer on a festival well where where were we standing on that festival and we just felt that our name was too small and and um you know we've got a lot to be proud of and so therefore you know our um our brand needs to be more prominent than, on, on our beer than um than what it was or uh, originally displayed. So you, you're still you, you're not retreating back to just be a tap room only venture. You are still l- looking at getting the beer out in tap and uh, um, package. Uh, very much um, package and tap room tap room focused and uh, very much package focused as well. So where's your volume sitting these days? It was around about ten thousand liters a week um, three yeah, years ago. Look, it, yeah, and it's come down. It's come down probably this year. It will probably do just over four. I think we'll probably do around 400,000 litres this financial year is what we're projecting. So it's come down. So our sales have come down significantly as well. And your margin on that sounds like it's decreased as well. So I'm, I'm hearing just tough times all around. Yeah, look, it, it's no, uh, you know, it's no beer and skittles, you know. I, in, I mean, and getting back to my joke about buying a warehouse, I, I wish I was, uh, you know, I re- I, you know, I wish I was a beer consultant or a, you know, someone selling a service into the brewing industry rather than a, a brewery owner. In all honesty, I guess navigating these uncertain times is very hard, and we're seeing lots of people all trying to, to do the same things and you know I think when we spoke three years ago you were looking at potentially opening a second tap room and we've seen a lot of venues doing that and I'm still not you know again still not sure that how many are doing great out of that because it sounds like people aren't going out as much and you know a tap room without a brewery is just a pub in a lot of ways yeah 
I agree. Look, we looked at that model. We really investigated it. Um, but uh, financially, we just, yeah, we even it, it re-looked at it a couple of months ago and financially, we just couldn't support it. Um, it's just, yeah, I think you're right, you know. I mean, the, one of the problems is you can't say you're a brewery if you haven't a brewery in, in, your, in your tap room, you know. So, I mean, okay, what would um, a, a much slimmer, I have to add, Pat McInerney uh, yeah. circa 2023 um, yeah. say to a uh, slightly larger Pat McInerney uh, in May 2020? You know, what, what advice would you be giving yourself now for, for, for that bloke back then? I think, uh, yeah, interesting question. I, I, I would say... Um Stick to your guns is the advice I would say and um, focus, focus on the tap room, actually. Focus on the tap room. Focus on the tap I, room. I look, yeah, look, I go, as you know, I'm a very keen hiker and I go down to Bright a lot and I often and I go to the Bright Brewery. I don't know Scott personally, but I know he's got a lot of my money. <laughs> <laughs> Over the last few years, and um, and I often say to my sister who lives down there, I say, "Oh, just just give me a moment. I want to take a. Uh, I just want to take it in. What a what a successful tap room looks like." <laughs> well, Scott is a listener, so hopefully, uh, when he hears this, he will uh, extend an invitation to you uh, next time you're down there. But he's also invited me down because I. I like you, like uh, bushwalking. So maybe we need to go down and have a uh, have have a um, symposium about uh, yes. successful tap rooms uh, and in in between hiking. Yeah, hundred percent. We can go see Ben as well. So down <laughs> at Bridge Road, which is a lovely place to pop into. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, I'm down there uh, in three weeks' time to practice for uh, for the Four Peaks, which is uh, uh, Hotham. Mount Buffalo, Feathertop, and Mystic. Mystic is just a mountain bike hill, but it's short, sharp, and uh, incredibly steep. So, I'm writing that down. I'm going to do some research into that as soon as I get off the podcast. Um, Called the Four Peaks. I'll, I'll be looking at doing that. But so seriously, mate. Get, getting back to the topic of beer. Um, yes. So, so what is the plan uh, for Willie the Boatman? Um, because you know. There, there, as I said, there have been some situations uh, around your local tenancy, um, you know, and, and the businesses mm. nearby that, that, that have changed, coinciding with you know broader economic times. What, what what is the path forward for you guys? Look, I think at the moment it's very much focused on package. Um, we've just got into a number of like a number a couple hundred coal shops with um with two of our range uh with two of our skews which mm-hmm. is you know going to give us a massive bump for summer did you get a packaging line in the end we were talking about you, no you were- and no we wanted to and fully and to this day, I regret never buying one because I just couldn't work out where to put it in the brewery, where we would actually fit it. And so we um, are still outsourcing our canning, which, you know, is an expensive uh, way to package beer. 
that that's what I was thinking. And particularly if you're getting wider distribution, the, the you don't get the benefit of no the the economics of it are, are really really hard and. Um, it's you know it it would cost us um, oh, you know it would it would cost us a lot of money. It, it's I reckon about we spend on canning a year is about a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Which That's... over three years is uh, you know is the top of the range canning line, right? Hmm. Mm. So what? So, so so what can you do in 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 that? I, I guess it's a you know, uh, a loan against the future if you if you put it now, but it's also a huge, you know, gamble that it's going to continue. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's no guarantee that. You know, I mean, I hope that the the beer pulls through on in all those cold shops, but you know, um, and I'm and I'm sure you know it will in a number of them. But you know, when you when you read your uh, small. St. Peter's Brewery to statewide, it's, um, you know, your brand's got to be really strong and uh, and that's why we've, that was the other reason we look, we wanted to look at our branding to make sure that people knew what they were grabbing mm. or what to look for when they went into one of those, you know, either an Endeavour or a coal shop or, you know, whether it was a Porter's or whether, you know, it was a mum and dad bottle shop where they're, you know, where they've got 150 different brands of beer you you want to make sure that you, your name sticks out the most. But even that sounds like it's been a little bit of a departure from your business strategy from three years ago. That that you really were focused on just staying local, supplying you know, supplying your local taps and your local community. Yeah, hundred percent. And and that's just because of the size of the brewery that we have. Mm. Although by no means it's a big brewery, but it's you know capable of producing. Um, uh, enough beer to almost service the state. I wouldn't say the whole state, but we could, you know, uh, at the moment we have two sales reps, myself and Blake, and I suppose to simplify it, we uh, one is south of the harbour to the border and the other one's north of the harbour to the border. (laughs) So So there's uh, only four feet, um, you know, out out and about, uh, selling our wares and promoting our wares, whereas there should be probably at least six of us doing it to do it efficiently. Mm. Mm. So, Matt, uh, just to finish, because again, I don't want to uh, you know labour too much on how how tough things are. I mean, mm. what's your advice to consumers um, at at the moment, apart from go out and buy Willie the Boatman? You know, <laughs> well, yes, that would be my first one. But, that would be um, your first one. We'll take that for uh, take that for yeah, as read. But I guess you know a, a lot of consumers are doing it tough as well, and a lot of consumers are a little bit daunted by the selection um, yeah. that oh. that they're facing. I know. My, my sister was actually – I had this chat with my sister last night and she said, I had to go to the local bottle shop. She lives in Brunswick and she said, I had to go to the local bottle shop. She goes, Pat, I was completely overwhelmed. I didn't know what to buy. So she's not a beer drinker, but she said she had people coming over for dinner and she said she was completely overwhelmed um, by, the, by the choice on, on the shelf. Um, 
really, you know what, we just met, in all honesty, just go back to buying local, you know, uh, drink better, drink less. I mean, you know, people want to, I mean, post-COVID, everyone's come out of it and said, oh, my God, I drank too much and, you know, and I put on all this weight, myself included. And my my feeling is, you know, don't grab a, a low-carb, non-flavoured beer grab a four pack don't buy a six pack grab a four pack of your local brewery's beer you know and and only have four beers don't have six beers and there's 300 calories saved right there (laughs) that sounds like great advice more than anything thank you for 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 being so frank um uh, about everything um at the moment because it's certainly stuff that we're hearing and not a lot of people want to uh jump on and uh you know, talk about it, but I think it's the, the, these are the conversations that we really need to have um, in in the industry at the moment. Yes, I I, I absolutely agree, and um, it's uh, it's surprising who, without naming anyone, uh, who I'm having these conversations with. I I joked with someone, you know, we're we're doing three to four hundred thousand liters a year, and look at look at the issues we're having and. And I said, just imagine if you're doing five to ten million liters a year, and they, their response to me was, "Well, they've probably got five to ten million pro- more problems than us." Very true, but again, yeah, like it, it's it's these are the conversations that are being had. Um, yes, and you know, it, you know, my big thing is <laughs> the more breweries in the the existing market. Um, isn't raising anyone's boat <laughs> so you know no. um, it, it's yeah I, I think for a long time the industry has been seen as being a, a way to make easy money that it's never been no no it's never been an easy way to make money it's been look it's it's been a fun way and i love it and, and i'd hate to not be involved with with the industry but it it's going to be, and I suppose if you if you want to wrap this up, Matt, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting who's left on the other side of, of the of the current head uh, financial headwinds that we're facing and the current downturn in the market. But I think those who do survive will go to a utopia of 20 years ago when there's fewer there's fewer people in the market there's a lot more taps on the market and there's plenty more fridge spaces so it's it's really at the moment a, a case of survival to to reach the other side and maybe um i know experience nirvana <laughs> you know i hope to do well, it, 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 it sounds a little bit like a, a Martin Luther King speech there, uh, you know, and it, it, it sounds like you've you've stood on top of the mountain and have seen the other side. Well, I, I'm still on the back foot of the way up. My heart rate's <laughs> racing, mate. So lucky you like uh, climbing mountains. So, uh, uh, Pat McInerney, thank you very much for this very frank conversation about uh, everything, and uh, you know, and and more than anything, all the very uh, very best for um, what's going on at Willie the Boatman. Oh, thanks, Matt. And don't forget, uh, come in and see us and uh, come into the tap room and um, pick up some Willie the Moment at, the, at your local shop. And don't leave your wallet at home. Don't leave your wallet at home. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. And that was Willie the Boatman's Pat McInerney. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on this conversation. 
and especially if you're a brewery owner, your own experiences at the moment. You can leave a voicemail via the link in the show notes or email producer at brewsnews.com.au or join the conversation in the Radio Brews News Facebook group. The letter of the week, or maybe that should be just the communication of the week, will be discussed in this week's Brews News Week thanks to beer fans who are sponsoring that segment. Now, if you work in the brewing industry and are listening to this, we can assure you you're not alone. If you want to reach the industry's decision makers, we have their ear and you can too. To find out more about advertising in the podcast, shoot an email through to sam at brewsnews.com.au to find out how you can advertise. We'll be back this Friday with Brews News Week with all of the insight and analysis about the last seven days of industry news and hopefully with much better audio quality this week. I'm very sorry for that. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon.